and welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast number 154. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and today uh, we are going to be talking about the upcoming clinical conference, Every Joint Has a Brain, which is June 19th to the 21st in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and it is through the International Spine and Pain Institute. Now, I went to their first pain conference last summer in Minneapolis, same place. And I'm not just saying this because I happen to be interviewing the CEO of ISPI, Dr. Adrian Lowe today. Um, but I'm saying this because it is the truth. It is one of the best conferences I have ever been to. It, aside from great quantity and great quality of the information presented throughout the conference, it was just really well run. Things started and ended on time, which I loved. Um, and the atmosphere was casual and approachable and collaborative. And that came across from the opening night, Friday night. It came across from the very first uh, intro from Dr. Lowe to all of the uh, presenters and to meal times and talking with people and, and networking in between uh, sessions. So um, it is, for me, it was one of, like I said, one of the best conferences I've been to, and I'm very excited that they are doing it again this year. So like I said, it's going to be June 19th through the 21st in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and you can go to ispinstitute.com to learn more about it, to look at the brochures, and to sign up. And I would do it soon because sessions are selling out. So there are no more room in some of the sessions already. So um, get, go to ispinstitute.com uh, to find out more information, uh, more detailed information about it. And right now, like I said, I'm very happy to be interviewing Dr. Adrian Lowe. He is the co-founder and CEO of ISPI. He earned both an undergraduate as well as a master's degree in research in spinal surgery rehabilitation from the University of Stellenbosch in Cape Town, South Africa. He is a guest lecturer and adjunct faculty at Rockhurst University, St. Ambrose University, and the University of Las Vegas in Nevada. And in addition, he still maintains a clinical practice and is co-owner uh, of the Ortho Spine and Pain Clinic in Story City, Iowa. And he is a certified spinal manual therapist through ISPI. And he has just recently completed his PhD, which centers on therapeutic neuroscience education and spinal disorders. So Dr. Lowe, thank you so much for coming on and talking about the, this upcoming conference today. Sure, thanks, Karen. I think the way you introduced it, I think I wanna sign up for this conference. <laughs> No, it was it was really great. I mean, I told after I came back, I was like, this this was a one of the best conferences I've been to. Um, like I said, because of the information presented, but just the whole vibe of the conference, it sure. it, it it took itself seriously in content, but not so seriously that people were unapproachable. Yeah, and, and I appreciate it. I mean, that was the idea it was to make it a very comfortable conference. We had a we have a social and people walking around having a beer, but talking to the instructors and the speakers and the guests. And um, hopefully, um, you know, we, we, the feedback was good and people enjoyed it. And so, yep, that that's, sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, obviously people enjoyed it because it is 
bigger this year. You have more people already signed up, which is awesome. Um, and this year we have, it is three days. It is Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, but this year you and uh, Dr. Corey Zimney are doing a pre-conference course. So I want to talk a That's little right. bit about that pre-conference course on CRPS, uh, chronic regional pain syndrome. For those of you who don't know uh, what that is, it used to be called RSD or reflex sympathetic dystrophy. Um, so can you talk a little bit more about the course that you and Corey are doing and actually why you decided to kind of add this course on? Yeah, um, it, it's a good question. We, um, I mean, after last year's conference, I mean, the, the big thing is people want to have hands-on skills, and we built into the conference what we call clinical conference time to work on stuff. And um, a lot of people have asked us, um, you know, with the with the big interest in graded motor imagery, um, we run a course called uh, our CRPS course, which we have since renamed Too Hot to Handle, which is basically any person that is hypersensitive. And with all the greater motor imagery stuff, there is a lot of research showing that we can desensitize a lot of people. And it just seemed like a logical add-on to a pain conference um, to basically take a one-day course and, and, and condense it into a for that for about a six-hour course, um, focusing on, on the lab skills of testing and then desensitizing people, taking them through basically the, the GMI program, mm -hmm. um, the way we teach it and the way we see it. Um, it's kind of a nice hands-on lead into a weekend conference with keynotes and, and other sessions. Yeah, it sounds it sounds like a perfect adjunct to the rest of uh, what's going to be happening for the rest of the conference. Now, can you talk a little bit more about what people can expect if they want to take this pre-conference course? So how how is it structured? Yeah. What are you going to be talking about? Yeah. Well, I think um, there's always these fundamental lectures about how people become increasingly sensitized. So there is a, we're going to discuss the concepts of allodynia and hyperalgesia and how people become sensitive. In the rehabilitation world, we know there are people that show up that are basically they're too sensitive. You can barely handle them. Mm -hmm. And they may be going through what we consider prehabilitation, a process of desensitizing before we even start the rehabilitation. And um, so, we, so there will be lectures about that um, discussing how it happened. So we have to fundamentally understand it's kind of the old Mosley quote that we have to be smarter than our patients mm -hmm. so we have to go through the, the, the nitty-gritty material which we by the way have condensed specifically for this course um, and that follows in basically the examination part how do you examine somebody like that what you know the the subjective part the, the, the deeper questions not just the you know where do you hurt but the, mm -hmm. you know, the deeper thought processes um, and then I think a big part is a lot of people don't know how to test these people. You know, we t traditionally take people through range of motion and strength and all that kind of stuff. And bottom line is a lot of these people cannot do it. It's very painful. By the way, it adds enormous fear. Mm -hmm. So we have come up with an algorithm of um, how do we test these people to get objective data that we need, the, the insurance companies need, but also not induce extra fear and anxiety. And sorry, I'm, I'm an old school therapist, but I just I think we, use, we do a lot of useless tests. Mm -hmm. people just for the sake of doing a test. And I mean, we have shown, uh, the researchers have shown that for people with CRPS, just thinking about movement makes their arms swell and cause more pain. So, you know, now we walk in and we have people do this extensive range of motion testing and grip strength and everything. And, and, and they're so hot at that point anyway. 
Um, so, so that's a big part is how do we test them to see if there are problems? Um, and this would include, and, and you know these, Karen, but we mm -hmm. want to test basically the health of the homunculus. You know, how well can they map their body parts? Um, do they have the laterality of figuring out left and right, mm -hmm. two-point discriminations, um, pressure pain threshold? A lot of things that we need to measure sensitization of the nervous system, et cetera. And then the neat thing is that all then leads into the development and, and taking you through the treatment programs of, of GMI, um, which includes explaining pain to patients, um, laterality retraining, uh, motor imagery, um, uh, sensory discrimination, mirror box therapy, and all of those. And, you know, what do you do with a patient who went to the, let's say they went to their physician and the doctor said, you just have to strengthen, I don't know, let's say it's their knee. You just have to strengthen the quad. That's all you have to do. And then yeah. you go in and you see this patient who is so, to use your terminology, so sort of hot to handle and they can't wear jeans. They can only wear leggings, yeah. skirts because they can't even have something touching their knee. Their, their walking is very um, uncoordinated. They have 50, 60% left, right laterality, you know, they, they can't, they can't really distinguish their left from their right. But the doctor said, just strengthen the quad and all your pain's going to go away and you're going to be fine. And that's how do you shift that patient's thinking to yeah. say, Hey, listen, that's going to be part of our, of our program. But right now we need to deal with the, the pain. Right now we need to deal with yeah. your understanding of what's going on. Yeah, I mean, I, in that case, I think you got a doctor problem, not a patient problem. Mm. Um, I, I think the easy thing is, and it's no different than anything else we do out there, and that is if you create enough trust by the patient that they trust you, um, that's with coming, spending time with them, truly caring about them, showing them what you find, explaining things. And this is stuff that is fundamental to what we do. The patient develops a trust in you. I, I mean, I always tell therapists, if you can get a patient to trust you more than the physician like that, um, you, I think you've reached the pinnacle of, 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 of therapy. Mm -hmm. So all I can do is explain to the patient what I find, be honest with them, and give them the options. Um, I, I'm sorry, I just I think I'm ethically bound to do the best thing for the patient. And at that point, a quad exercise is not the answer. Now, going back to my first comment, I mean, I would call the doctor, obviously, and then try and discuss it with him or her and develop some kind of a professional relationship. But we're not bashing the doctor in this case, but it's kind of the old, hey, doc, you know, this is what we want to do. Um, this is why we want to do it. Um, and hopefully that would work. If not, mm -hmm. then, you know, like I said, we got, we got a doctor problem. And um, as I often tell my patients, you know, this is what I can and cannot do, but I, I, I cannot do this because it's not right. Um, you may not like it, but it's not going to work. And I think what happens when you examine patients, they, they'll fundamentally understand this stuff. I mean, you know, we know that you've got to lose an enormous amount of body uh, mass and, and muscle mass to, before you become structurally weak. Um, all the geriatric studies have shown it to us, people in famine areas. So, you know, you can, you can basically deconstruct the whole model in front of them, but they, they fundamentally know. Um, you know, Maitland had a saying that if we just listen to our patients, they will tell us what's wrong with them. And if you just listen to these patients, they're going to tell you, I hurt. I'm in so much pain, I can barely move. They know their problem is a pain problem. It's not a tissue problem. It's not a strength issue. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think they, they are smarter than we think. And if we figure it out and test them and explain things to them, they will come around and say, you know, yeah, you make sense. I, I probably should first get the pain down. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's never easy. And it's that, like, it's that whole thing about between the doctor and the patient and you. But, 
you know, I've sworn an oath to the patient, not the doctor. Mm-hmm. So I will tell the truth to the patient and explain things to them. And they can choose. If they say, no, I really want to have the strengthening, that is fine. There are many other clinics around the area that can, that can see them. I have no problem with that. Um, I, I think that's okay. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just an older therapist, but I, I, just, I have to be honest with my patients. And um, this is just one of those. Yeah, and you know, I agree a hundred percent. And and like you said, they can if if they if they're not buying into what you're telling them, they can go somewhere else. You know, but you yeah, in a nice in a nice way. <laughs> in a nice way, right? No, no. But I mean, they may make that decision for you. You know. Yes. Um, but I agree, you have to kind of stick to your, your ethics and sort of stick to your guns and say, this is what's going on. And, and I feel that this is the best course of treatment for you. It may not happen. I think David Butler says, you know, it may not happen in a week or, or yeah. two weeks or a month, but it will happen. Yeah, we find a lot of those people come back. I mean, I have mm-hmm. no problem telling a patient, you know what, I know, I know the doctor wants you to do strengthening. You may think it is, um, you know, I don't agree with that, and that's fine. I'm not disagreeing in terms of, you know, I, but I'm, I'm not, that's not something I feel comfortable doing. Mm-hmm. You know, I can see my colleague up the street, but you know this with all the, the explained pain stuff, the therapy, neuroscience education, everything. Often, all you can do is plant a seed, and lo mm-hmm. and behold, three months later, you walk in a clinic with your cup of coffee, and there's that same patient back again and say, you know what, you said something to me three months ago that made a lot of sense and I'm back mm-hmm. and we have tracked these patients and they do well the ones that come back on their own accord is you know what now that I think about it you're right and um, and that's okay. it's not about being right it's about it, it's very hard it is incredibly hard you know some people can argue why don't we do the old strengthening thing develop a rapport with the patient and then slowly bring this back into it but mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know I don't, I don't it sounds very crude what I'm going to say but I don't have time for that I um, I have a long list of patients who want to see me um, patients are adults and they can make a decision and that's okay there's no harm no foul and um, if you want to come back here's my card if not um, that's fine mm-hmm. um, I think we got to be very careful always shoving things down people's throats and that goes for any pain treatments we're trying to do right yeah 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 I agree and so you know, in this, in this pre-conference course, will you talk about kind of how to incorporate, because I know you probably get this all the time, how do we incorporate this pain science into our treatments with our patients? Because we only have an hour eval, and then I can only see them for 30 minutes. Yeah. So how can well, you get all of this information to the patient in a way that makes sense? I, I think it's easier than you think. Um, you know, Karen, I, I've been around the pain stuff for a long time, and David and I have spent a lot of time together. Um, way back, we spend a lot of time with people. I mean, the old explained pains, we spend an enormous amount of time trying to change mm-hmm. what people think. We kind of gave them what we call the fire hydrant approach. You know, take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. Um, the new research shows that education, as David has mentioned many times, has to be paced as well. And so with all this research we've done, we've shown we can literally whittle it down to about 10 minutes and give somebody a fundamental message and they take that with them. But then there's homework, very dedicated homework that they got to go think and process this and come back and then you build this story over time. The GMI stuff is no different. Um, this comes back again. If I've got only 10, 15 minutes to examine you, physically examine you, why would I spend 12 of that minutes on useless tests that mean nothing to me? Um, I understand younger therapists uh, go through, you know, A to B to C to D because they haven't done it enough and they got to develop their skills. But the older, more traditional, the more well-trained therapist knows that okay, this is what I think is going on. 
Now, how do you confirm it? An, an objective exam is just to confirm or negate what you, what you think is going on. Mm-hmm. So if I'm thinking that you have central sensitization and you have, you have very poor body awareness, um, the go-to stuff we got to do here is going to be two-point discrimination. It's going to be laterality checking. It's going to be pressure pain thresholds just as a short list. Mm-hmm. And if you've done that and you've, you've figured out, yep, you guess what, we're on the right track, you may have enough data to say, you know what, we know what we got. We don't have to go much further. Right. Um, every therapist knows you can over time develop your, your measurements if need be. Mm-hmm. And that leaves you then more time for some treatment, some meaningful treatment. And the cool thing about the GMI program is there is a sequence and we don't have to do everything on day one. We do phase one and, and work to phase two and three and four. You work your way down. So um, I think it's very doable. I mean, we, we run a very um, busy clinic. We see a lot of people in pain. Um, I can tell you we see in a very high quantity of CRPS patients and mm. we have enormous success with them. And it's very dedicated, hard work, but a lot at home too. They get, they get homework. Yeah, and I think that's something that if you're a therapist that you have to reinforce with your patient is that you're not doing this to them. They have to be a very active participant in their program. That, Like you said, they have homework to do. They have to do this. Yeah. No. Well, you were last year. Yeah, last year at a conference, you went to the the um, roundtable yeah. meeting with the speakers, and Tim Flynn made a beautiful comment: "But the future of healthcare is to help people help themselves." And I think um, Eel Lederman mentioned it as well. Mm-hmm. The way healthcare reform is, yeah, it's going to come onto the patient. You need to help yourself, and that's 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 powerful. Cognitive behavioral therapy underscores the concept of people need to be able to taught to help, to be taught to help themselves, and that's what a lot of this is too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that, you know, sometimes as therapists, maybe we can lose sight of that with our patients as far as reinforcing um, those principles. And I think that's something that should be reinforced every time you see the patient. I don't know if it's something that you do with your patients, um, but I think it's something that should be kind of reinforced yeah. each time. Yeah, we we have very strict guidelines, uh, and people kind of get look at me funny at courses, but um, we have strict guidelines about being on time, uh, not being late, um, showing up for appointments, doing homework, mm-hmm. um, and it's not one. We didn't one day sit around had a few beers and decide this sounds really good. This comes from really good behavioral research. It shows we just need to keep them accountable, and we have found that patients thrive when you give them rules. You give them very specific good rules. And um, they do great. And those that don't do it, they just, they don't do well. And we don't have, we, there's a lot of people in pain. A hundred million Americans have chronic pain right now. I mean, mm-hmm. some form of pain. And we, there's enough people needing help. And um, if you give them the rules, and it's kind of interesting because they want the rules. They want to know what can I and can I not do. So we tell our patients, you know, I'm going to see you so, so many times a week. And this is how long a session will last. And these are the rules. They're non-negotiable. You will be on time. You will show up for your appointments. You will do your homework. I can only meet you halfway. Mm-hmm. The other part is yours. And so, so, you know, it's kind of you set up that contract with your patient. And um, we just keep them very straight and narrow with that. And that fits in with do your homework. Um, because you know what, Karen, I mean, patients come in, oh, I feel terrible, I'm having a bad day, and they show up and they don't show up, and they're always late, and they don't do it. No, that, that doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help you, it doesn't help the patient, it doesn't help the payer, it helps nobody. Right, And so we've got to keep it accountable. Now, again, we, we're not monsters. I, uh, people do come late because there are snowstorms and stuff. We understand that. We're not. Sure. Within, we're looking for behaviors. The same patient's always late 
with the same brand new car that always breaks down. That that doesn't make sense. Right. So we, we just and again we just we're just honest with them. You know, I, I cannot help you anymore. I'm sorry. So it, it's it's strict, but it's 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 with it, it comes from this compassion. You know, we we've, there's a saying out there that um, honesty without compassion is cruelty, and, and I agree with that. Mm-hmm. I think um, we need to be honest with our patients, but come from the perspective I care so deeply about you that I need you to stick to these rules. It's kind of like a kid almost. You know, I care deeply about you, but these are the rules. I don't want you to hurt yourself, kind of thing. Of course, of course. And before we get into uh, sort of the more bulk of the conference, I just have one more question on the course that you're doing. Um, and because I know you probably also get this question a lot, and I think we've spoken about this in the past. Um, but, you know, you said you have someone come in and you sort of have this working hypothesis or this, this uh, that, uh, you know, I think they have, from what they've said in the interview, I'm thinking maybe there might be some central sensitization happening here. So what, in the interview process, what kind of things are you looking for from the patient? What is the patient telling you that would make you think, hmm, central sensitization might be happening, so I am going to do my two-point discrimination. I'm going to do my laterality testing. So how, how would you get to that point? Well, um, in central sensitization, the good thing is Keith Smart gave us a list. Um, the studies have now shown us that if people meet certain criteria or certain, not criteria, but they tell you certain things that we know the chance that it's central sensitivity is more is like diffuse widespread pain versus more localized. Um, allodynia, um, sensitivity to light touch. Um, you start getting psychosocial factors like depression fitting into it, um, high fear avoidance. Um, you start getting um, widespread palpation tenderness. There's, there's, there's things we can follow through. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we write up papers and we say, well, we did this approach to somebody because they had central sensitivity, we have a checklist we go through. So it's, it's the common things we all know. The pain is beyond the time of recovery. It should be better by now. It's spreading pain. They're sensitive to palpation remote from the injured or the primary painful area, um, all of those things. So, so we listen to those specific to laterality and stuff. We're looking for things like people commenting things about, you know, the arm or the leg doesn't feel like it's mine. I feel like I got two left arms. We even ask them directly, you know, since this has happened to you, have you ever felt like your arm doesn't belong to you? Does it feel like it, it feels strange or different? That's just, those are some of the early things we'll find out from people. Um, which can get obviously really bad. Um, we have people do pain drawings. We give them a body chart and say, you know, show us where you hurt. And the work by Michelle Sterling has now shown us and some other people that um, they don't know where they, their body parts are, so they color in the whole area. So what we have now done is we take, for instance, if your arm is hurting, we give you a much bigger picture. We, we blow them up mm-hmm. to an 11 by 17 page, and we ask them, show us where you hurt. And even with it, when we make it bigger, easier for them to color in, say, only the thumb and the index finger, they color the whole hand in, which is for us kind of a subjective. They, they may not even know where the hand is. So now we're going to go to two-point discrimination around the hand to see do they even know what it is and where mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. So it's little clues like that we would work our way through, yes. Yeah, and that's, you know, just, I think for me in my head, what you just said makes it so much easier to sort of structure your time with the patient to make the most of the time you have with them. Would you agree? You yeah, you need, I just think you need to be focused. You need to know what you're looking for, zoom in on it, confirm your hypothesis, and then start correcting it, mm-hmm. um, working on correcting it if it's a problem, yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And so, so just so people know, the, those are some of the things that you and Corey will be talking about in that pre-conference course. Um, so now let's go to the conference as a whole. So uh, you're, like I said in the intro, your first conference was last year. 
So what did you learn from putting on a full conference last year? And from what you learned last year, how did that translate into what you're doing this year? Did you make any changes? Did you say, hey, last year was perfect, we're done, we're sticking with the same mold? What, what, what changes came about, if any? Well, I, I need to correct you. Last year was a third conference. Oh, sorry about that. Uh, we, we, did, we did two conferences in Kansas City when we lived in Kansas City. So we had several years ago, we, we did our first one on low back pain, um, and then we did the following year on neck pain. We then moved our conference to Minneapolis last year, which, which you obviously were at, and we focused specifically on pain. Um, the reason this year we're going back to pain um, is, is, I think what we learned basically is if we build it, they will come. Mm-hmm. Um, we are inundated with courses on pain, and we're talking now about PT schools, the VA um, community. I'm presenting community lectures on pain, and they sell out in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's this is enormous interest in pain right now, and nobody knows what to do, what, what's going on. We all know opioids are very bad for us, but then the question comes to what do we do? So we built this conference, and um, the idea was to talk about pain, and, and, and you know, the, the, we had a great response from people. As far as what we learned, um, you know, without being silly about it, but yeah, we just learned that if we build it, they will come. They, they really want to come, and they're interested in it. Um, because we went back to pain this year is primarily because um, the pain one was just very popular. And we had such good feedback from people about, you know, we know more about pain. And between me and you, we're actually already confirmed eight of next year, eight keynote speakers for next year already, nice. um, which we'll be announcing at this conference. And it will be another pain conference because it's just, it seems like the pain one is really interested. And if you look at the conferences out there, there's not many of these kinds of pain-centered conferences, um, specifically for therapists that um, are out there. So I think people are interested um, you know, as far as what we learned, um, I think my staff did just phenomenal. Um, I am so proud of them because, like you said, everything ran well, and I'm, I'm so proud of them because we, we, we let, literally just have to replicate a lot of the same stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we take the comments of people very serious, and so we make changes as needed. But um, if you look at it, you were there last year, a lot of it is very similar design. Next year will be different because I think we're going to run out of space the way it's designed right now. <laughs> but um, um, no, I, I think people like the social events, the food are all, it's all inclusive food. Um, there are many other events. We just this morning actually confirmed we're changing the Sunday morning, um, you know, the free yoga session. We've actually had to replace with the Pilates session. And so people can come to those for free. There is dinner, there's food everywhere, Friday night reception. Um, the format seems to work for people, especially being done Sunday around noon, so people can get home. But um, yeah, I, I don't think we made too many changes this year for people. Yeah, no, I mean, like I said last year, the one thing that I really appreciated was like things started and ended on time. And I know that sounds silly, but it means that's like a huge deal, yeah. you know, because there's nothing worse than, you know, you're in a session and it's going over and going over. And then, because then you yeah. start to get a little anxious and you're thinking, am I going to be late for what I want to do next? And, and that just didn't yeah. happen. Everything went very smoothly. Now we have, just like our patients, we got strict rules. Yeah. My general manager um, um, walks around with a big bell and she lets everybody know. We let the speakers know. Um, we strategically place our faculty in the rooms with the speakers. So as kind of room moderators, assistants at the courses, and they they have strict rules about we got to keep this thing moving. So um, it's, it's good to hear that. But um, yeah, there's no margin for error when things run at this pace. 
Yeah, absolutely. And so what are you looking forward to? What sessions are you looking forward to attending this Ooh, year? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the stuff with Paul Minkin has completely sold out. He's yeah. doing the the frozen shoulder session, which is just, you know, he actually called me yesterday and he's, he's very nervous about what he needs to present and we had a nice laugh about it. But um, that one is going to be really good. The shoulder triad on Sunday. We got Cesar Fernandez coming from Spain and I've heard Cesar speak many, many times and um, just one of the brightest minds on the planet. This guy has connected so many dots for us, um, even with his quirky little Spanish accent. Um, um, people love listening to him. Uh, I, there's so many. I mean, it's, it's so hard. I, I deliberately this year scheduled myself not to present anything on Saturday so I can go to sessions and just walk around and, and, and soak in information. Um, you know, we get, we get Sandy Hilton talking about the pelvis and the brain. We've got, yep. you know, Louis Pundadura. You know, Louis is one of my best friends. And to watch Louis, who's one of the best manipulators probably on the planet, completely evolve from a very hard manual approach to this neuroscience view of manipulation mm-hmm. is going to be great. I mean, in that dinner, her sessions were the first ones to sell out with, about the, with the head and sensory motor re, repositioning the head and motor control and all that. That's going to be good. Um, you know, Chris Powers, I, I've yeah. never heard Chris Powers speak, but I was, um, everybody's told me, you need to get him, you need to get him. And so I'm going to be excited to hear him speak. Um, it's just neat. And, and, you know, one of the funny things that we just actually added is one of my patients is actually opening the conference for us. Oh, cool. Um, she's, a high school, she's a high school girl with CRPS that has gone through a full recovery and um, going off to college. And she wrote an essay about her pain and is kind enough on Friday night to start a conference by reading her essay to the audience. And um, it's going to be just nice to hear it from a patient's perspective, the suffering, the, you know, we are real people and we do have a brain and we really feel and we, mm-hmm. so it's going to be a little bit of fun. We can have a lot of fun with this, um, I think, again. So there's a lot I would like to go to, but I got, I got to go teach my session. So I hope nobody signs up for them so I don't have to go uh. <laughs> to my own session. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, the, the lineup is great. I heard Chris Powers speak at CSM this year. Yeah. Um, and he, yeah. he was great. He's really great. He's doing some really cool stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, he's doing phenomenal stuff. And yeah. Louis basically told me, too, you know, you need to get him. And so we, we got him involved, and we were very excited to have him come. Even my buddy Steve Schmidt is back again. I think yeah, Steve is talking with us every was, time, and he's he just great phenomenal, this stuff. Yeah, 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 he was great I, last year. Yep. He, was, he was wonderful last year, really, really great. Um, so it just sounds like it's, it's a great lineup of people. And again, um, for all of you listening, for more information and to sign up for this conference, which is June 19th to the 21st in Minneapolis, you can go to ispinstitute.com. And when you go on, it's right there on the uh, left-hand side of the page. Click on that. You can see the full brochure and register directly online. Um, and be sure to read through all of the different breakout sessions. And um, it's, it's, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you for putting on um, another, great, another great conference. And now I'm really looking forward to this girl opening the conference. I think what a wonderful idea. Are we going to need to get our tissues out for this? Is this going to be like an emotional essay that she wrote? Well, I cannot tell the people that. Oh, I cannot, all right. You know that. Yeah, we, we will be looking at it beforehand. I, I've told her I will check it beforehand. But she's a very animated girl, very smart girl, and we're very excited for her. So, cool. uh, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> cool. Very cool. Yeah. Well, 
Thank you for taking the time out and coming on and giving everyone a little taste of, of what they can look forward to in June. So thank you so much. And is there anything else, anything that we missed that uh, you want to mention before we close out? No, I just, well, thank you for your endorsement and we're just looking forward to helping people in pain. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm looking forward to, to it again. So thank you so much. So thank you to Dr. Adrian Lowe. And again, if you want more information, go to ispiinstitute.com. And everyone, thanks for listening. Have a great week and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart.